Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the StockFam TV. My name is Hammy, and today I have the pleasure to announce uh, Prad Shaker with Scott Health. Unfortunately, Sean had a family emergency and can't be with us today, so it'll be just myself and, and Prad uh, joining us. So welcome to the program, Prad. Pleasure to hey, have you. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. Um, so maybe we can start with just like kind of a brief introduction of Skylight Health and what you guys have been up to in, in the last little while, um, just for, so our viewers can kind of have a, an understanding of what's going on with your company at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. So uh, just introdu introduction, Skylight Health, we're a U.S.-focused healthcare services and technology company. Um, we've uh, we've built a presence now across uh, 16 different markets uh, in the U.S. Um, we're primarily providing uh, comprehensive primary care uh, through both sort of brick and mortar and virtual offerings, including telemedicine and remote patient monitoring, um, roughly to about 150,000 patients now across the U.S., um, largely deriving revenue through insurable services, so contracting with both government payers as well as commercial payers. Um, you know, tremendous massive opportunity in the U.S. market. You know, we focus on sort of a consolidation of small to mid-sized physician practices, you know, with really a strong opportunity to create improved profitability, but then, you know, optimizing revenue and realizing sort of, you know, three to four to five X growth in revenue where, you know, largely underutilized assets have an opportunity here to bring more services, more value to their patients, and then obviously recognize more fundamental revenues and profitability through. Yeah, awesome. So one of the things in, in, the, in the U.S. is the healthcare system's a bit, it's, I guess, is, is kind of a broken system. Can you kind of discuss... Um, that and the fragmentation that's kind of going on in, within clinics and all that uh, in the United States. Yeah, so I mean, look, there's there's a big push from a trend perspective in the U.S. now to um, focus on the cost of care, right? And 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 a lot of initiatives nationwide, including things like you know Medicare for all and, and Obamacare and value-based care, all these terms being thrown around that effectively are focused on how do we sort of fix the cost of healthcare while still improving the quality of life for patients. And, you know, when you talk about a U.S. market today, I mean, first of all, it's a you know, multi-trillion dollar industry. Um, you know, and the primary care side, which, you know, I look at and say, it's a primary care responsibility to keep patients out of emergency rooms and prevent readmissions. It's a 70% fragmented market. And, you know, the multitude of providers still working independently or in small physician groups. And as you start to see, you know, more effort being put into things like, fixed cost healthcare, um, a lot of smaller practices and practitioners have a hard time really understanding how to get profitable in that space because you really need to understand at a metric level the cost of delivery of care. And so it's putting a lot of pressure on smaller practices and you're starting to see that consolidation now happening where larger health systems are trying to acquire small practices so they can get more scale. Um, and really, you know, from our perspective, it's, it's a challenge because that starts to, in some capacity, devalue the quality of care because patients now become part of a much larger sort of infrastructure that's more corporatized, that's focused a lot on payer relationships as opposed to patient outcomes. And so, you know, we think that there's a big disruption opportunity for companies like Skylight Health to keep that community-based feel of the practice, but still bring all that national scale to the group so that you can still play within that future trend. Um, and you know, from a from a growth perspective, it's it's certainly an opportune time to to capitalize on that kind of market trend. 
Yeah, sure. I think you bring up a lot of great points. And I think one of the things that really attracted me um, to Skylight is the fact that you're kind of focused on unserviced areas. Um, so when you look at some of the clinics that you're acquiring in the areas that you're acquiring them, um, it's in areas where, you know, people aren't serviced for healthcare. So can you kind of touch on that um, as part of strategy? Yeah, so we focus mainly on secondary markets, right, which basically means like suburban and sort of future kind of not urban core centers. And, and the reality for that is, you know, healthcare and urban cores tends to be a little bit more transactional. It's tend to where you see a lot more sort of or like walk in based type service where patients will go on an as needed basis. Um, and the loyalty and the retention of patients in these markets is far less because you can pick whoever's available whenever you want. For example, if all I need is to see a doctor on telemed, there's like 18 apps I can download. And if one doesn't let me in, I'll go to the next one. Um, in secondary markets, you know, you've got more patients. We got patients, first of all, that have a stickier relationship with their family physician, right? They go to their family physician for everything. That family physician becomes a gatekeeper for all services. And so you look at your provider for, for most of the immediate, but also kind of chronic-based management and other management of other health diseases and states. So for us, because our model is based on primary core, primary care at the core, right? So as long as we are the primary care docs, you have a retention and a stickiness of patients. And then over time, you can bring more of those referral services in-house so that patients don't have to go to five or six different places. And sometimes in some markets don't have access to these types of specialists. And so we can use remote, remote patient monitoring, we can use virtual care, or we can use our, our sort of scale to be able to bring these practitioners together so patients get that access to that specialist. You know, they trust the referral platform of their doctor um, and they stay within the Skylight Health umbrella. And so it, it makes the system far more efficient for the patient, for the doctor. Um, and for us as the organization, it allows us to retain more of the share of wallet that would have otherwise have been spent in other areas or other specialty offices now within the Skylight Health umbrella. So it, it certainly is our strategy to focus on, on those types of marketplaces. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's a great point. And to get in, it kind of brings me to another point in terms of your technology that you that you own, um, you know, with the EMR and, you know, telemedicine and that. And when you bring in, you know, the outside doctors into under your umbrella, it's also, I know you've talked about the data and, you know, you guys have data and you can use that data to bring it out, right? So when you're bringing these other specialists in, not only is it kind of bringing them under the umbrella of your revenue stream, it's bringing them into that ecosystem of data. Is that kind of, is that correct um, as well in, in terms of being able to monetize all that data later on um, into the future? Yeah, so there's, that's a great point. So there's two aspects to technology. And, you know, I think it's sometimes a little bit daunting when you think about how many different areas technology plays a role in clinics. But you know, it's not our intention to create, look, there's there's well over 200 different EMR systems out on the US market and then more if you consider sort of globally, right? We don't need to go create the 201st system, right? There's enough of them out there and some work very well for what they need to do, which is clinical operations, right? So, you know, from our perspective and the same thing with telemedicine, there are lots of platforms out there. You can utilize any one of them. You don't make money on the platform, you make money on what you do with the platform. So it's the delivery of service that's more important. Um, so for us, the way we think about technology and why we're such a value add to these smaller and mid-sized practices is you want to take that information from that clinic, right? You want to be able to assess that data. You want to be able to harness the insights from that. And whether it be business insights, how do I make my clinics more efficient? What are the data or key performance indicators of my business? Or you're looking at it from a patient perspective and saying, what are the gaps in care? How much is it costing me to deliver this type of care? How do I make that cost better? 
Because as you think about the future of healthcare in the US, you're moving to value-based, which is capitation. And if I'm gonna start to earn, if I can start to negotiate a flat fee per patient, knowing that I can deliver it cheaper than the next guy beside me, but I know my costs are better, so my margins are gonna be better, then I bring more strength to the healthcare sector and especially a lot more strength and infrastructure to the clinics today that don't have that type of infrastructure and technology to do so. So really the power of Skylight Health's technology is our backend. It's our ability to leverage the data, whether it comes from one system or 10 different systems, digest that data and really make something of use of it for the business. And then to your point, the future commercialization of that data is also critical, whether you're a, a pharmaceutical company looking at saying, how's my product working in market? Or I wanna know what the competitive nature of my product is, because guess what? Pharmacies just tell me how many I sell. They don't say what kind of patients switch my product to the next one. Um, this type of information becomes extremely valuable. And so access to this information, again, requires someone to be able to make sense of that data from it, the 200 EMR systems that are out there. But with Skylight already consolidating this and creating those insights on the back end, we can very quickly turn around those insights, of course, in a compliant manner to be able to find future commercial value in, in the type of information and the technology that's harnessing you know, the, the power of what we're doing within these practices. So certainly helps us today, huge opportunity in the future as well. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, you, you talk about getting to that $1,000 per patient kind of to, to drive your revenue. But I think, you know, the long term runway for me, like when, when I'm looking at something and for our investors, we're trying to find companies that are going to provide long term wealth creation. And, and I see that that data as like a long term catalyst at some point that's really take that business to an even a bigger level than it is already. Um, so I think that's an exciting point. I think, you know, investors need to kind of cl click into that and understand exactly what you're doing because you're as you service these unserviced areas you're, you're gathering unique data that nobody else really has that you know these pharmaceutical companies are going to really want um so maybe if we could talk about as well the kind of you you have a couple major competitors um, in the market i believe one of them is oak street um what um what kind of incentives are there for these clinics to sign on with you rather than kind of getting bought out by these bigger um competitors in the marketplace yeah. So, I mean, these guys are behemoths, right? I mean, Oak Street Health, you know, they're probably going to do about a billion this year in revenue. They trade at, you know, maybe a 14 to 15 times revenue multiple. Um, and so it's great to have the comps to show sort of the opportunity for Skylight Health today at a much lower entry price point and a valuation that's going to have a gap to close significantly right now. You know, our fair market value is about seven. I'd say right now we're at about five after our last acquisition announcement. So certainly it's making its way and we're seeing that now gap close. But, um, you know, as we think about our competitors, Skylight Health has a bit of a unique op pr proposition today. We're probably one of the only, even though small, public market comparables today or public market opportunities that's doing consolidation in the space. Um, Oak Street and One Medical, which are the two companies that we would compare against on the US side, both are organic growth opportunities. They don't grow by acquisition. And so they're, first of all, in different market segments, right? One Medical targets the urban core population. It's sort of a low price entry concierge-based subscription model. Um, and Oak Street Health goes after the senior care continuum. They don't focus on the broad spectrum of patient care. And so each of them are playing in a different market to begin with, although they provide primary care to those patients, um, but they're also organically grown opportunities. And so when you look at public companies today that are able to leverage currency, you know, at deal sizes we can focus on, 
Um, there really aren't any other players that can do that today. And so that's why this is, again, you know, a unique opportunity and timing for Skylight to be able to leverage that equity capital market platform to go in and be more attractive to uh, smaller and mid-sized practices that are looking for a more liquid exit or looking for a higher potential future value exit that they wouldn't otherwise get today from, say, a private equity group or another private organization that might just buy them at today's value. Um, so there's uh, there's certainly a lot of unique aspects. We're seeing a ton of excitement from a U.S. marketing perspective just on that type of model alone. And then the fact that we are differentiated as, as an investment thesis for U.S. investors today. Yeah, the model that you guys have, I think it's an incredible model, especially in the United States. I remember, you know, I, I lived in the States for a few years and access to healthcare. I mean, the, the expense of it is pretty incredible. So, um, you know, I, th I believe you've talked about, you know, you your subscription-based model, I think it was $200 a year. Can you kind of touch upon that system that you guys have and kind of where you're at with, with that, that right now? Yeah, I mean, that was that, it's certainly a new program that we're, we're piloting and launching, but the intent of that program is to sort of be all around it, right? And if Skylight Health is meant to be accessible and affordable, then you need to think about those that don't have health insurance. And so eventually these patients will qualify, whether that be you know through state-based Medicaid, Affordable Care Act, or employer-based. But how do you capture those patients today that otherwise would not have been patients because they can't afford to come in and pay for those, call it $100 or $200 visits out of pocket? So the $200 subscription program was designed to be telemedicine only. And if you're an uninsured patient, you can subscribe at Skylight. It's a flat fee. Then if you have an urgent care or sort of a walk-in care need, meaning got a sore throat, you just want to have a, maybe a diagnosis or a prescription, you can contact Skylight Health, speak to one of the providers virtually. Because we're using our existing base of physicians and staff, you know, it's a relatively seamless process for us and not really at an additional cost. So the margins are good on that business. But as a patient, you now have access to a provider that you would have otherwise had to maybe Google or wait until it gets really bad and then go to an emergency room where your bills are going to be significantly higher. Um, and so if, you know, you kind of say, let's call it 40 million potential patients that could qualify with this program, it's a chance for us to A, provide care based on Skylight's mission and vision, but also a chance for us to earn those patients as patients so that we can convert them into insurable services when they qualify. And that again, creates more upside down the road for the business and for the patient and the services they can receive. Um, so it's, you know, it's going to be an interesting, the, the, the take up on it from a uh, conceptual and conversation has been great. People love it. It's really good. You know, we're working through different models of how to potentially get that to market. Part of it's through uh, employer sponsored programs. Part of it's through direct to patient programs. Um, so we'll certainly have more to talk about that this year. Yeah, I think you know more companies and enterprises are are looking to you know kind of take care of their employees because I think health is really important. You know, um, less time off work, uh, you know, less time to take off to go see the doctor, and um, it's, it's you know the pr the productivity of being healthy in the workplace. I think you know a lot of employers are seeing that, so uh, I definitely think that there's, that's a hu another huge opportunity for sure. Uh, and then yesterday, you, you announced uh, an appointment of uh, Paul Kulas as a senior vice president um, of operations. Uh, can you talk about him briefly and kind of just explain like, his significance and what he's going to bring to Skylight uh, moving forward? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start with the fact that, you know, there's there's an entire organic component of this business that doesn't sort of get valued in when we talk about 
the overall you know opportunity that we have today, right? And if you know if our pipeline today is over 200 million in in sort of deal flow opportunities, and that's growing rapidly, um, you know, then we start to talk about um, ingesting those types of acquisitions. But you know, for every one dollar that we spend, you know, if we get two to three back in immediate revenue on on those acquisitions. Well, we can convert that $3 to $6, $9, $12 by virtue of expanding the services and executing on that organic growth to the existing patient base in these practices. And so to do that, you know, requires um, experience and requires sort of an institutionalization of an organizational chart that understands what it looks like to be, you know, a multi-billion dollar health unit. And so, you know, Paul certainly is going to bring a lot of experience and knowledge in terms of what the structure needs to get to. And as we as an organization move from, you know, where we are today at about a 45 to $50 million sort of annual run rate inorganically to start to really expand that and expedite that growth over the next few years, um, you know, then we want to make sure that the team is there to also deliver on that organic growth, because that is ultimately what we are seeing as the highest value add for Skylight Health. I mean, especially U.S. investors, they love the M&A side, but they really want the organic growth side, right? And, you know, if you look at companies that have done this really well, I point this company out often in the presentations nowadays, you know, GrowGen, right? They're, you know, founders are fundamental investors in Skylight Health. We're, you know, we're working together on some U.S. capital market strategies. But if you look at their success, it's their ability to find deals that are attractively priced, but it's their ability to generate strong same store growth over time with these acquisitions that's really getting that multiple. And, you know, um, I don't think GrowGen's seen, you know, a, a red day for a little while. So, I mean, it's been, mm-hmm. it's been all positive momentum for a group like that and again it resonates well with investors that understand skylight health's opportunity where it's you know well-priced acquisitions but the organic growth potential and that's where again i go back to it strong teams are needed paul's going to be one of the you know the the new additions in terms of the sort of the corporate sort of organization that allows us to bring that level of strength down to an execution perspective yeah that's a great point i mean you need those those big hitters in, in the management team to kind of drive those next levels as well it just doesn't just doesn't happen um with without that so what kind of uh, metrics do you use to to grow organically so there's so there's three kind of organic growth opportunities so the first one comes from sort of cost improvements and so um, typically, within the first 12 months we'll see about a 10 you know to 15 percent improvement in the cost structure just based on economies of scale, centralization of costs um, that can be recognized on a per clinic basis, right? And, and our clinics should usually get to about 20 to 30% EBITDA uh, contribution. When we acquire them, they're about 10%. Um, so they're profitable on the day of acquisition. Um, and then from a revenue growth perspective, we look at primarily technology goes in, we look at the current patients, we see the opportunities that exist. Most physicians' offices don't tend to recognize that as a driver for patient care. So we'll say, okay, I have a patient, they come see me when they get sick or when they need something, but how many times am I reaching out to say, hey, you know what, when was your last physical or when was your last vaccine or when was your last you know, screening that needs to be done based on a patient of your age and demographic type? Um, and so using technology, we identify these gaps and we close these gaps, and whether that be through sort of remote consultations or callbacks or or in-person visits, um, it allows us to see the organic growth in visitation frequency. And this kind of uses metric, right? Ideal primary care patient unit economics should be 
about $1,000 a year, right? And when we acquire these practices, it's about $100 to $200 a year. And so there's sort of a 5x gap you can close within the first one to two years just organically by having an improved and more disciplined primary care practice. And then over time, you layer on more services, you bring more specialists on board, and you can grow that unit economic value to, you know, blue sky of 10,000 or more per patient per year, especially when you start to think about playing in capitation models. So there's, you know, I would say that the room for top line growth is is really kind of, you know, uncapped at this point. It's it's largely unrecognized um, within these existing facilities, but there's there's no harm in that. It's It's the fact that you've got physicians that do a great job running the practice, you know, but don't have the time to focus on some of these growth parameters. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a great point as well to, you know, for, for me personally, even to, you know, see my doctor now is the phone call away and she's able to, you know, even call me and schedule appointments, you know, checking my charts and seeing what I need to follow up on. So I think that you know, that's a great point. I think, you know, COVID has brought upon this, you know, it's kind of grown healthcare by five to 10 years to where people now know that they can actually, you know, empower themselves and take care of themselves and, you know, get in contact with doctors and, and you know, you know, you're basically investing in yourself with, with this money and you're essentially saving money over the long term by um, taking care of yourself. So I think, you know, the opportunities for what you're doing is incredible. So, you know, I really appreciate you touching upon that. So um, maybe we'll get into some of the user questions here. I think there's a few people that are, have some questions. So let's, uh, start here with the headliner. Um, there's an email sent out to investors yesterday stating, we anticipate several other US and Canadian banks to initiate coverage in the next month. Can you expand on that further? Mm -hmm. Sure, so I mean, now we've got three research analysts in Canada covering um, Skylight Health. Um, you know, we've been pretty active over the last several months, both Canadian and US side, um, you know, without maybe uh, divesting further in terms of who the banks are, you know, we have been in future conversations and, you know, recognize that that research coverage, you know, should be relatively soon to come to market. Um, again, this is just an opportunity for more exposure, right? And uh, you know, we've done a great job institutionalizing our, our shareholder base in Canada over the last four months. Um, we're continuing to do so. Um, and we're seeing that reflect in the market, which is great. Uh, and from a U.S. perspective, we're still relatively largely unknown. And, um, you know, when we started telling the story, the, the feedback was was phenomenal. Of course, one of the biggest barriers for U.S. participation is the Bolton board. Um, and we've certainly been open and public about our intention and, and sort of plans as we move forward here for a NASDAQ uplist. Um, this is going to be a chance to really invite some, some real institutional U.S. Uh, participation um, into the market. Um, but we'll also come on the back of the ability to start to leverage some of these relationships now that we've been having um, with U.S. banks. And we'll be, you know, February is going to be a busy month for us. We've got uh, a number of, you know, non-deal roadshows built out through February where we're now going out with the banks to actually meet with more of these institutional investors, create more exposure. Um, so that's, you know, I think that's all going to be positive momentum in general and, and, and more awareness and attention for the company as we execute. Yeah, you touch on another great point where you're relatively unknown in the U.S. market. I mean, you're in 16 states at, at the moment. Um, what's kind of, is there a plan or a strategy to kind of expand outside of 16 states or you just kind of, you know, you want to service the ones that you're in? Uh, I know Paul, Kulas, you know, he's, he's operated in all 51 states. So, I mean, he's got, the, you know, he's got the experience there. So what, what's kind of the plan there? Yeah, we're we're going we're going we have a, our geographical focus is spread, so we're not we're not focusing on an, on just any few markets. There's there's two aspects. One is 
um, you know, geographic expansion, which eventually the more markets you're in, the more access to patients and more opportunities you have. And, and access to U.S. healthcare markets is challenging because it, there's a lot of regulations, state by state regulations. And so by way of acquisition, we really advance and accelerate that movement into states pretty, pretty quickly and easily. Um, and then there's there's density, which is essentially the ability to create more market share within that state, which can benefit from improved patient care, better services, but then also, you know, the ability to leverage that market share for, you know, more attractive negotiations with payers, for example. And so we're focused on both fronts where you'll start to see more deal flow and news flow focused on markets we're in, as well as opportunities like the one we just closed in Florida, for example, with our CMA, which now takes us to the new state. And so we're constantly evaluating opportunities in and out of states, but um, the focus will be to go as, as broadly as we can over the next 12 to 24 months. Awesome. Um, uh, oops. Can you also provide an update on the insurable services and roughly how many patients have been able to claim coverage through insurance and Medicare? Yeah, so I mean, I'd say right now on, a, on an annualized run rate basis, we're probably uh, close to about... Uh, 80 percent if not if not a little bit more now on the insurable services side and that's going to continue to increase um of that of that amount i mean we're talking most of these practices are within the 80 20 rule so it's 80 percent commercial payers 20 percent medicare um there's a massive opportunity here to expand on that medicare population especially um, since most of these medicare services are fee-based and as we can see from Oak Street, you know, there's a huge value add in switching to Medicare Advantage programs where, you know, the fee per patient is significantly higher, but you need to know those cost metrics to succeed successfully. Um, as well as now there's, you know, more opportunities with sort of Medicaid um, revisions in states as well as ACA to think about more bulk enrollment on um, sort of Medicaid and Medicare uh, ACA, which is not recognized in these practices today. So. Um, I think commercial payers are going to continue to remain strong, but there's a whole opportunity right now to expand on, you know, sort of new services that aren't being done in the clinics. Even on the commercial side, you know, most of these practices haven't renegotiated rates for many years. And so there's, you know, again, near-term opportunities to really renegotiate, get better rates, which ultimately turns into better economics for the practice. Yeah, for sure. Um, um... Um, hi, how would Biden administration as focused on primary health care in the U.S. help skylight growth in the next four years? That's a great question. Um, I think it's going to be directly aligned. Look, one way or another, the cost of health care is starting to increase and that needs to come down, which means um, we start looking at how do you reduce unnecessary hospital visits? How do you reduce uh, readmission rates? Well, the responsibility of keeping a patient healthy is the primary care doctor's relationship. So the better the relationship with the primary care doctor, the better it is for lowering the cost of care. As you work back to the primary care doctor, the more incentivized they are to focus on prevention, the better it's going to be. So as you can start to think about a lot of the plans being done today, it's not just on every time I come in, I treat you. It's going to be based on how healthy I keep you, which means bonuses and incentives for delivering sort of improved screenings and, and looking at those quality gaps in care, right? That's what it comes down to. So I think there's gonna be a lot more focus, a lot more money spent on access, which is going to be you know, significantly beneficial for us as a primary care operator. Um, there's gonna be a lot more capital spent on improving the quality of life and lowering the cost of care, which will ultimately result in out of hospital revenue and into outpatient revenue, again, benefiting Skylight Health. So I think we're gonna be aligned quite well with sort of the overall trends and changes. Um, and I think it's gonna be well over the next four years. I think it's gonna to continue to be a key driver for all businesses that operate within sort of you know our 
kind of our our, uh, our our industry or niche within within primary care. That's great. Uh, I don't believe cybersecurity has ever been covered. Would you be able to comment on your internal IT infrastructure and how secure patient information is? Yeah. So you know, we we certainly don't talk about that enough here, but. Uh, um, you know, we do have our own, every tech, every piece of technology within Skylight has been built in-house. And so we, we use our own proprietary develop, uh, technology. We have our own in-house development teams. Um, so we're not necessarily leveraging any third-party software from a licensing capacity to deliver patient care today, except for the EMRs that are used in some of the clinics um, or some of the integrations with remote patient monitoring, each of which have their own sort of regulatory requirements in terms to operate. So in terms of Skylight specifically, our software um, you know, we do have uh, both in-house and outsourced uh, cybersecurity teams. Um, you know, what I will say is there, we're not dealing with sort of someone that hasn't worked in healthcare. In fact, our groups work with all the major hospitals, um, both on the Canadian and U.S. side. So, I mean, we're, we're I, I'd say there's a, there's a fair amount of effort placed on the technology component to ensure patient safety and security of information, but then also from a compliance standpoint, how that data can be utilized or, or, or generated insights from, whether it's for patient health improvements or overall sort of understanding of patient outcomes. Awesome, so we're getting close to the 30 minute mark. I just wanted to touch on one you know, key point um, that mm -hmm. I think that you should really focus on is that, you know, like you've said, um, this is a multi-trillion dollar um, industry in the United States. And you know, one of your competitors, Oak Street, is doing 1 billion in revenues. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the amount of opportunity there for Skylight right now to expand and to grow is, is incredible. And for, you know, even for Oak Street to grow, I mean, there's just so much room, it's so much money there to be had. So, uh, you know, I think this is an incredible opportunity and I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything that you'd like to kind of touch on um, before we say, say goodbye for the day? No, I think you touched on it. Look, I just want to have people focus on the U.S. market. And you're starting to see some Canadian companies now make their way to the U.S. And we've been saying it for a while. The U.S. is the biggest healthcare destination in the world. And so, you know, when, when you think about investing in infrastructure and what we've been doing for the last few years, um, you're right. We're, you know, we're scratching the surface. I think Oak Street's scratching the surface. You know, you've got small health systems in, in rural towns in the U.S. that generate well over a billion in revenue. And so when you're a national platform, you know, that, that should be at minimum your next revenue marker. Um, so I think, you know, we are at a completely different level of scale and opportunity. Um, I think more investors are starting to recognize the depth and opportunity that presents itself. Um, and really Skylight's model isn't slow growing. It's going to be based on capitalizing on an opportune consolidation market with strong organic growth. So, you know, we certainly, you know, welcome more questions and, and continued uh, following of our story. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to be able to continue to bring that execution at a, at a quick pace, um, you know, to our existing shareholders. Awesome. Yeah, we'd love to have you back on, you know, as things kind of develop and, and whatnot. So maybe, is there anything, you know, the investors can kind of look forward to in the next couple of months to look for? Yeah, look, uh, U.S. expansion is going to be critical, both business as well as um, as well as sort of on the market side. Um, we'll have more news coming out with regards to you know more opportunities to present at more conferences. Um, certainly, more strengthening of the fundamental foundation team. Um, you know, looking to close sort of the last acquisition. Now we're sort of five to six. The sixth one will close by this quarter, which is uh, meaningfully the largest acquisition that we've announced to date, but probably within one of the smaller ones of the large acquisitions we're we're contemplating today. Um, and wow. so I think that there's 
there's more we haven't we haven't really brought the next wave of M&A deal flow yet. And we've been waiting to sort of strengthen the foundation of what we've announced so far, but certainly look forward to sort of more news along that path, more organic growth and, and sort of more fundamental growth as part of the team and markets. Okay, awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, I wish you all the best in, in the future. And thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. And thanks for everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye.